My name is Dan, and I'm the pastor of Cornerstone Baptist, and I, I know many of you, and many of you I do not know, so hi. And um, your pastor is right now um, at Cornerstone in Tremont, and um, I'd like to pray for him, so let's pray for Blake. Father, I pray your blessing upon Blake as he opens the word, and he's going to be looking at, um, um, I think it's Genesis 15 with our folks. Now... Um, Lord, you know exactly what they need to hear. So I pray that you'll uh, uh, give Blake the words to say, that you'll open our hearts and our ears to hear it, and that uh, our people will be, um, will see if the foundation is firmly in in faith in you alone. So bless him as he teaches now, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, at Cornerstone, we, um, we um, as Aaron was saying, our, our goal is to, uh, to become more of um, uh, a light in, to, in our, in our uh, community. In fact, we kind of borrowed your, um, your logo a little bit, changed it a little bit. But I have permission to do so um, from Blake. Uh, and and uh, that we, are, you know, we are, are here to bring the light of Jesus to, to our community. And so that's why, that's why we're here and that's what we're, uh, we've constantly been bringing that forward to our folks, right? And, and so, um, the, the, the call to do that is found in, in Matthew 28, right? The uh, Great Commission. Um, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That we know that as the Great Commission. That is the mission that is given to the church. And when I say the church, I mean not just Cornerstone, but um, Southwest Harbor, and it's given to the church. That is our mission. I don't know anybody in the church that would say that's not your mission. Everybody recognizes that that's our mission. So then why aren't we doing it or why are we not as effective in it? And so we, uh, one of the things that we thought was, well, what, what is a disciple, right? If we're called to go make disciples, we ought to know what in the world it is we're trying to make before we make them. We try to make them, right? And so for the, through the summer, we've been studying about what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And I loved what, sister, what you had to say about, um, about, um, the study that you ladies had when you said you, you decided what it was to be a follower. Of Jesus, and that's exactly what we've been doing through the summer, studying what it is to be a follower. What does a follower look like from the words of Jesus? It was funny that we started with—I um, uh, I started with asking asking our deacons, "So, what is what is a follower of Jesus? What what is a disciple?" And and let me just ask you, uh, what would you say it is to be a disciple? What's a disciple? Obedient to Christ. One who studies the word? Follower. Follower of Christ? I oh, sorry, what? Shares the gospel, Shares the gospel right? Um, I have to tell you that what we pretty much came up with was, was um, while well, a follower of Christ is someone who has put their trust in Jesus. Yeah, we, we, would, we would agree with that. And then a follower of church, Christ is someone who uh, enters into the mission by being part of the local church and doing whatever it is the church is doing. And we found that we had a very, very narrow, closed opinion of what it was to be a follower of Jesus. So we went to the words of Jesus and, and, and we've done an examination. Of that, so I'm not going to go over 10 weeks worth of stuff with you on that. But what I am going to share with you is basically we came up with a simple understanding of that a follower, of, a, a disciple, is a follower of Jesus, one who follows Jesus, 
and a and a one who if you're going to make disciples your your goal then is to help someone to take that next step in following Jesus that's that's basically it a disciple is one who follows Jesus and to disciple another is to help that person take their next step in the in their following of Jesus now for some folks that next step happens to be putting their trust in Jesus alone that step of faith maybe the, and so it starts it starts at the very beginning helping someone to put their trust in Jesus and then to take the next step perhaps it is to it is to commit themselves and follow him in baptism or to somehow set aside some sin in their life or whatever it is there's always a next step and um so that's that's the, those are the very basic definitions we came to now I've got to tell you um, that I can't, that I also had some misconceptions of what it is to be a follower of Jesus, um, and I'm just going to share three misconceptions with you, and perhaps you shared some of those as well. I I um, separated the idea of evangelism and discipleship. the The thing is, evangelism and discipleship are not two separate things. Now, before you throw, I'm a, I am a Baptist, and you can throw me right out the door, and, 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 and that's okay. I, I, I'm okay with that. Um, but hear me out first. Um, we have artificially, I believe, separated the idea of evangelism and discipleship, um, as evangelism is putting your trust in Jesus alone for salvation. Then discipleship then is taking those next steps in following him. We don't, so we, we don't need to separate the, separate the two tasks. It's one task. Helping Aaron to take that next step in faith. Helping those kids at KBC this, this week, on um, this last summer. Maybe, maybe they had never trusted Jesus. Maybe they needed to take the first step. Helping someone take that next step, whatever it is, in following the Lord. The uh, the next misconception I had is that I have to be completely mature in my faith before I can make other disciples. Now, I got to tell you, if you're going to wait until you're completely mature in the faith, you're going to be waiting a really, really long time. Because growth, Paul, Peter said in, in Second Peter, he said, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's a constant thing, a continual thing. I am still being growing and I've been, I've been following Jesus for over 50 years and I'm still growing and hopefully you still are too, taking that next step. If you're going to wait till you're complete, you're going to be, you're going to wait till you're dead. You don't wait until you're completely mature before you start making other disciples. That's just the truth. And then, and the last misconception I had is that um, to be, I can be a mature follower of Jesus and not make other disciples. Now, I don't know about you, but you say, well, see, I don't, I don't have the gift of evangelism. And does anybody here have the gift of evangelism? I'd like to bring you over to Cornerstone. I didn't see any hands go up. You know, say, maybe, maybe God messed up. I mean, stop and think about it. If our goal is to make more, make, make more converts, then maybe we need to have everybody have the gift of evangelism and everybody going out and having spiritual babies all over the place. And maybe that's what we need to do. God knew exactly what he did when he gave us the spiritual gifts he had. You don't have to have the gift of evangelism 
to, to reproduce yourself spiritually in someone else. You don't have to, and, you, and on, on the other side of it, um, can you say that you're a mature follower of Jesus if you're not reproducing yourself in someone else? I would tell you that a follower of Jesus reproduces themselves in the life of others. And if you are not, then you are stunted in your growth. Those are, those are three misconceptions that I had. And so I'd like, um, so then what, is, what do we have to do to be a follower of Jesus? How, how, do we, how do we make more disciples? How do we make more disciples of Jesus? I mean, right about now you're saying, well, I hope he doesn't call me out because, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's tough. And that's really, really hard. It's scary. It's scary to do that. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I think we've artificially made it scary. I'd like to give you three principles that, uh, from, from the Word that I believe uh, will help us to, to it'd be a lot easier for us to reproduce ourselves in the lives of someone else. And the, the, fir- the first principle is this. Um, the kind of life Jesus calls us to is not just a me and God kind of existence, but is a radically others-centered life. The call um, kind of life Jesus calls me to is not a just me and God existence, but is a radically others-centered life. Now, um, uh Perhaps you, um, perhaps you remember the, the story of, of um, uh, uh, when Jesus was, uh, m- when he met with, he had all these detractors. Um, te- many of them were teachers of the laws and Pharisees, and they were always trying to trip him up, right? And he met with, he met with a group of them, and, and they were firing questions at him. And, and one, of the, one of the questions they asked him was this. In Matthew 22, we see they asked a question, they said, I need my glasses. Matthew, Matthew 22, um, uh, they, he asked he asked, he asked a subject, he says, one of the Pharisees went out and, and asked him a question, teacher, um, uh, what is the greatest, what is the greatest commandment? What is, what is the, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Matthew 22, verse 36. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Now, you and I probably would say, I, I, I agree with that. To love God with all your heart, with everything you've got. In fact, Mark adds, Mark adds the words, um, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything you've got. Love God with everything you have. That is the greatest commandment. But he didn't stop there. He went on to say, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Really? So Jesus forever linked loving God and loving others together when he was asked what is the greatest commandment. So what was the, what was the question he asked them? What was the greatest commandment? Interesting thing is Jesus was also asked another question in, um, in, in Mark uh, Mark chapter five, uh, Mark twelve, I believe it says um, Jesus was asked another command, another question. He said, "How can I inherit eternal life?" Completely different question. Have you have you ever had somebody ask you, "How can I get saved?" Not too often. 
People are not out at asking that question. I love that. I love those softball questions. Boy, you know, you don't want to miss that one, right? Um, what do I, how do I inherit eternal life? Interesting thing, Jesus gave the same answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, right about now, a Baptist begins to sweat. You're saying, what you mean? You mean to be, uh, um, to be, uh, the great uh, to inherit eternal life to get saved, I need to love God and love other people. That sounds like a work salvation to me. Oh boy, I don't know about that, and I get I get really really nervous about that, right? But remember, Jesus Jesus linked these together. What is it He's asking us to do? Do you know what the heart of God is? Why? Let me ask you, kids. Why Why, why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? Do you know? I, I, I'm really putting you on the spot. I'm sorry. Why did Jesus come? To save us. Yeah, and what made him want to come? Do you know? What do you think? Because he made us. Yep. Anybody else? Why did, why did Jesus come? Kids, you've got to be under the, under the age of 12 to answer this one. <laughs> why did he want to save us? Help me out, kids. Help me out. Can anybody say love? Do you know why Jesus came? Because he loves you more than anything. <laughs> he passionately loves you. That's why he came. It was love that drove Jesus to come. That's the love he wants us to have, not just for him, but for others too. He said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, to, uh, to, the, to that answer, um, when, when uh, that teacher of the law got nervous, because, you know, kind of like me, he got nervous when he, when he heard that answer. So what he wanted to do was qualify it. And he asked a follow-up question to Jesus then. He said, well, who's my neighbor? You know, thinking if I can kind of limit the scope here, then maybe I'll come out a little, I, I'll come out a little bit better. Now, I gotta tell you, I really love, um, my church folks. I really do. Uh, sometimes they tick me off. Sometimes I tick them off, right? Okay, but that's family, right? Family does that. Family offends, you ask for forgiveness, make things right, right? That's, that's family. That's how, that's how things go, right? Um, but I really, really love them. It's real easy to love people that share your values. It's real easy to love people that love you back. It's real easy to love people that are like you. But who did, what did Jesus do? He told the story of the Good Samaritan. Someone who didn't share his values, who didn't share what he, the, his, his beliefs, who was nothing like him. That's your neighbor. Love him. That's who Jesus wants us to love. This is the kind of radical love, other-centered love that God calls us to. To love other people that are not like you. To love other people that don't share your values. Other people who maybe laugh at your values and laugh at you because of, for whatever reason. That's who Jesus calls us to love. That's who he loves. God wants us to radically love others. This is the heart of God. When we have that, then it makes it so much easier for us to share our faith with others.
because we love them and we want to share this with them. Now, I want to I want to take a, a back up for just a minute and, and speak to something else I, ne- I see within the church today. I see a division within the church that really concerns me. And a lot of it has to do with generations. Not completely, but a lot of it is generational. And, and, I, and, I, and I believe that there are blind spots on both sides. And I want to I I point this out to you. And again, if you don't agree with me, I, I, I'm a Baptist and you don't, you, don't, you don't have to listen to me. Okay? I believe that many of the folks who have been in the church for a long time um, uh, passionately love the Lord. Um, but they, they've, they've, they've lost sight of who their neighbor is. And they've somehow wrapped the, the, um, the message of the church up with patriotism and um, uh, with tradition and with the, the way the things used to be. And they've wrapped those things all up together. And what they want to do is call people to come back to, way the, to where the church used to be. Come back to what the good old days. They want to call people to that. Many of the younger people within the church, not all, but many of the young people in the church um, have, um, uh, have gone the other way and have see, seen the hypocrisy in that. And have, have gone to more of a social justice, a social consciousness, wanting to transform society through political involvement and through supporting of candidates and movements and things. The, re, the problem with that, folks, is this. Um, uh, if, if, you, if you go that way, then you can have some very, very good lost people. You know, with people don't have the gospel... You know, their, their eternity is, 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 in, is in jeopardy. You may, have, you may make their existence better here, but not forever. Uh, and that's because we've lost this scope here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. When we do both, we have the heart of God. And it makes evangelism so much easier. What else, uh, what else can we do or what else has God given to us so that, we, that this idea of um, making disciples um, becomes easier? Um, the, the, second, the second thing that we, that we have is um, uh, we need to reproduce ourselves in other people. Um, reproducing ourselves and other people, this is pleasing to God and gives him proof of our discipleship. And this is, this is what I mean by this. Jesus said in, in um, John chapter 15, he said these words. Jesus said, I am the vine. And my father is a gardener and he cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It is a misconception to think that we can be a Christian our whole lives and never reproduce ourselves and other people. That is totally against what God has set up 
In fact, if we are that, if we live that way, then his, uh, he says you're an unfruitful vine and a good gardener will cut, cut that off and, and throw it in the fire. It's useless, absolutely useless. We are called to reproduce ourselves and other people. Now, how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, uh, remember I told you another misconception is that you have to be really well, you have to be completely discipled yourself before you can do that. No, you simply share what you already know. Remember the story of the, um, the demoniac of Gennesaret, how that Jesus went in there and he met two, two men who were demon-possessed and, and he cast the demons out of them into the herd of pigs and then they went down in the, and they drowned themselves. Remember that? And then it said the folks came out of the town and they saw the men sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in their right mind. What a wonderful place to be at the feet of Jesus. Well, right after that, it says Jesus then said uh, he went to get into a boat to, to leave. And this man pleaded with him, let me come with you. Now, isn't that what we want? He said, I want to be your follower. Well, you should. You need to hang out with Jesus for a little bit because you don't know nothing, buddy. You need to learn some stuff before you can go on. And, and what did Jesus say? No, go home, go to your family and go to your friends and share with them what Jesus has done for you. What do you need to share with other people? what Jesus has done for you. Look, remember, remember the story of the, uh, the woman at the well? What did she know? Very little. She just went to the city and said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could not this be the one? That's all she knew. You see, for us to reproduce ourselves and other people, we simply tell them what Jesus has done for us. That's all. You don't have to know. Is, is it good to know the Romans road? Is it good to know the four spiritual laws? Is it good to know to, to have gone through evangelism explosion? Yeah, is it good? Yeah, that stuff is all good, right? It's all good. But you don't have to have that to simply tell people this is I once was blind and now I see. Just share with them what Jesus has done for you. That's all you have to do. Another, um, uh, another example uh, of this is, is found in, in Galatians chapter 6. And I won't, uh, I won't take the time to, 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 make, to, talk you, to take you there. But it says in Galatians 6, uh, Brothers and sisters, if one of you has been taken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore that one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. Being a discipler help, means helping a person take that next step. Maybe that next step is someone has fallen and you reach down and you help them up. That is the work of a discipler. One who's helped someone from where they are to get up and take the next step in their, in their faith. Um, another another uh, great example of this is found in, in Hebrews chapter 10. Um, and where he says, let us consider how we may spur one another on into love and to good deeds, not forsaking the selves of ourselves together as a, as the manner of some is, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, encouraging one another. It isn't just always sharing the gospel. Sometimes it is. Other times, it's just sharing a word of encouragement and of hope. Listen, my friend, I've been there. Let me help you. I did that with a, with a, a friend just this week on the phone. Uh, I couldn't get together with a person, but I called them. And, and I said, listen, uh, let me help you. That is discipleship. Coming along beside someone. 
Jesus said just before he left, um, he said to his disciples just just before he left, um, uh, he met with them and we, he gave us the the Lord's table. Right, that last night he was with the disciples. Uh, he he gave he gave them that. But just after that, he he said these words to them. In John chapter 13, he said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, doesn't that sound contrary to what we already said? I mean, if the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, that's already there. How can he say this is a new commandment? What's new about that? The newness is in the way, in the manner. He said, love as I have loved you. How did Jesus love? Tell me, how did Jesus love? Sacrificially. This much, right, brother? This much. Total, complete love. Absolute abandonment. That's, that's radical, other-centered love. When we love this way... The world will say, I, you know what? I think, I think those Christians, they're nuts. But boy, can they love. They got something that I desperately need. That's what Jesus calls, calls us to. There's one more, one more thing that God has given to us to help us to make more disciples. Uh, because right about now you're saying, okay, Dan, this sounds good, but you know, I just can't say all these things. And, and By the way, first let me tell you, I had to get over this because I stutter all the time, right? It's awful. That's okay. God can use a stutterer. And if he can use a stuttering fool like me, he can use you. Just share what Jesus has done for you. That's all. But before, after, after um, when Jesus, on uh, uh, Matthew 28, he said, he gave the Great Commission, right? He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? And he said, all the, okay, okay, how are we going to do this? He said, but, but uh, lo, I'm going to be with you always. You're not going to have to do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. Um, in Acts chapter 1, he told us how he was going to do that. Acts 1, he says this, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of the Father's promise that you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the earth. He's given us the indwelling Holy Spirit. You don't have to um, do it in your own power. In fact, if you do do it in your own power, it's not going to be of any eternal value. So don't try. Just do it. As the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and so how do you, how do you do that? How do you do that? And I'm going to give you I'm going to give you something. I'm going to ask you to do this this week, and I would be um, uh, I think you'll be surprised. Tomorrow morning you wake up and you say, "Okay, Lord, who would you like me to speak to today? Who would you like me to encourage today? Who would you like me to share the hope of Jesus with today? Just show them to me." And uh, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> That's all you got to do. You just say something simple like that. And I'm telling you, it'll happen every time. 
that that person, that the lady at the checkout, the um, the, the 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 person at at the at the, at the bank, or, the, or 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 wherever you're wherever you're going, the the guy the guy at work, or the neighbor, that a pesky neighbor who puts his his lawn clippings over the fence, and you know, God will give you an opportunity somewhere, and you say, there it is, there it is, Dan, there it is. Share the love of Jesus with that person. Could be the person that's out hitchhiking. Someone, that guy's holding up a little cardboard sign. It doesn't have to be someone. And it's, 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 remember, who, who is it that we're to love? Um, um, who's your neighbor? <laughs> the one who doesn't share your values. The one who doesn't share um, uh, your, a common faith with you. That's who we are to share with. Ask the Lord, Lord, who do you want me to share with today? And then just do it. When he tells you, I'm, I'm telling you, it will, it will shock you that Jesus would do this. I want to close with this. One of the things I've been very thankful for is the, um, uh, working together with you guys in Alpha. That has been a, a wonderful ministry, right, Mark? It's been great. I've been so thankful that we can, we can do this. And we have these, this time in which we can invite people to come and we will share, share, um, give them an opportunity to ask these questions like a who is God and, and, um, and, and what is faith and, 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 you know, just ask these basic questions. And we've seen some really, really great things happen from that. Um, and perhaps, perhaps you participate in that. Maybe you've led a, led a, led a, um, discussion in that. Maybe, maybe you've made a meal or something. That's really great. I'm telling you that dis- make, being a discipler is far more than one time a year making a casserole for Alpha. Thank you for doing that. But it's far more than inviting one person one time a year to come to Alpha. Well, I invited my neighbor, but, you know, crazy Larry. That's the way he is, right? That's the way he is. Being a discipler is more than that. It's a radical change in your life. It's every day following Jesus and sharing what Jesus has done for you with others. That's what it means to be a disciple maker. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Wherever you go, the word go means wherever you go, wherever you are, everywhere, make disciples. Let's do this together. There are so many people in our community. I, I, I'm, I'm very happy to see this, this building so full. We should see, I would love to see this double, <laughs> triple, there's so many people out there who have never heard. Do you love them? Jesus does. Father, I just pray right now that you'll help us to, to be disciples of you, but not only a disciple, but we'll also make disciples. You called us to do it, Lord, and that's hard. But Lord, I pray that we will um, have the same heart of you, have the same passion for others that you have. Father, I pray that you will... Um, uh, that you will help us to uh, to, to, to go and, and just to simply share what Jesus has done for us. But Lord, help us to go not in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, realizing that you desire to build this church. This church is your church. You want to build a church, and you've invited us to be vessels with you. So, Father, I pray your blessing on my friends right now, that they will be disciple makers where, right where they are. 
and that you'll empower them to build your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.